Welcome to the Christian Writers Workshop, the podcast that gives you the tools you need to turn your writing and publishing dreams into reality. Here is your host, award-winning author and speaker, Michelle Lazurek. Welcome to episode five of the Christian Writers Workshop. In this episode, we're going to be talking about 10 common writing mistakes and how to avoid them. Now, I know when we're writing, we have those ideas and they're flowing and we want to just get them out on paper. And it's very easy to make some common writing punctuation and grammar errors. We want to make sure our writing is top notch. It's as polished as it can be. Um, In a different episode, I'll be talking a little bit about the editing process um, and the importance of having someone else look at your work and polish it to the best of their ability so that when you go to submit that to publishers and to other people who are looking at your writing, they're taking you seriously as a writer and you're establishing your credibility as someone who understands the basics of of English, the English language, English grammar, and can really uh, write well to the best of their ability. Oftentimes when we make simple grammatical errors, we lose our credibility with our audience. And if we continue to make silly errors, people will stop reading our work. And we don't want that to happen, especially if you're someone who has never written a book but really has a desire to do so. If you're writing articles that are being published, uh, say, for example, if you're writing on your own blog or you have uh, guest blogs that you're writing on someone else's um, blog that you know, and people are reading you and they're seeing that you're making a lot of grammar mistakes, they're going to stop reading because it's very distracting to the eye and for those that understand the basic rules of grammar they're going to think that you don't know what you're doing and you don't want that to happen you want to make sure that you establish yourself as well as you possibly can be and as professionally as possible so i want to address some simple writing mistakes errors that we make they're very common errors sometimes there are changes that have been made over the years uh, to rules that once were held when uh, typewriters were still in play um, and now they've been changed a little bit. Other times it's just simple um, errors, things that uh, when we're speaking we might use, but when we write, we wouldn't use them as much. The first writing mistake I want to talk about are articles. Articles, those are words such as the, an, and a. They are not capitalized in a title except at the beginning. So for example, um, if you had a sentence such as a summer in Mer- a summer in Myrtle Beach, the A that you start off with is capitalized. However, if you had a sentence like summer of Myrtle Beach and the subtitle was um, the adventures of uh, a wandering nomad, let's say, the A in the subtitle, A Wandering Nomad, would not be capitalized. It would only be capitalized in the A, capital A, that's used for a summer. So that A article is only capitalized in the beginning. It is not capitalized anywhere else. And neither are the words the and uh, prepositions as well. Same thing with them, of, for. None of those things are capitalized in a title. And it does look a little funny. And you think It's almost counterintuitive that you think that you should capitalize them all, but in a sense, it's the necessary words in a title are capitalized. The ones that are just kind of there to kind of connect words together are not capitalized. So it's a good way to kind of remember that, are those kind of unnecessary words, the, and, uh, are not capitalized, except in the beginning of a title. 
Second thing I want to talk about are double spaces. And this is something that I've been um, privileged to help edit some people's work um, over the past few years that I've been a writer. And I've noticed this quite a bit, especially with those who um, are a bit older, because this used to be a rule, a very steadfast rule uh, throughout the writing world, and now it is not so much. But there, you do not need to put two spaces in between sentences. You only put one space. This rule is a holdover from the days of the typewriter. Modern word processors automatically adjust the spacing between sentences, so it's no longer correct to include the extra space. So if you're using Word, for example, it will normally just give you that one space after the period and you begin the next sentence. So it's not really that difficult, but if you have it stuck in your head that you have to have two spaces in between each sentence, then you're going to wind up having to do a lot of correcting when you go to edit your work. And I don't want to see you do that. So just make sure that when you connect two sentences together with the period, you only add one space after the period, not two. And again, that was something that was a rule back when typewriters were around and that's all we had. Now that it's not so much as a rule and there's no one that I know of, no publisher, no editor, no one accepts that two space rule anymore. Uh, So just remember to uh, make sure that you have one space in between two sentences after a period. The third most common writing mistake is the ellipsis. And I've seen this Uh, a couple times in work as well, where the ellipsis, people put five periods after a word when they're trying to trail off if they don't want to finish that sentence. But it's only three periods. It has always been three periods. It will never not be three periods. It's not four. It's not five. It's three. So for example, in a sentence like, I don't know, she trailed off. The three periods after the word no indicate to the audience that you're kind of trailing off They're not finishing that sentence. That's what it indicates. So you will see that when someone's in the middle, like for example, if you're doing dialogue and you're dialoguing two characters together and they're talking and someone interrupts the other and that person says, well, I'm not sure, you would put three periods after that sentence and then in the next line, you would have the other character interrupting them and saying, but are you saying that so on and so forth? So you have that the dialogue between each other and someone's trailing off. You have three periods after that last word. Not four, not five. It's always been three. It will always be three. And I have seen four or five from people, and it is always only three. Okay, another area that I want to address is the passive voice. And this is, can be a bit tricky, too. There are definitely times when passive voice can be used but it should not be used that often. What do I mean by passive voice? If you have a sentence with an object in it, which is basically a noun that receives the action, if you remember that from your fifth grade English class, passive voice happens. Passive voice is when the object of a sentence is put in the beginning instead of the end. With passive voice, your writing comes across as sounding weak and unclear. As writers, you wanna make sure we give that each sentence the punch it needs. You don't want to have a lot of weak words in between. You don't want a lot of weak sentences that are really not helping you build a strong character or a strong plot or a strong story. So for example, if you're thinking about a sentence such as, the boy was bit by the dog, that's passive voice. To change it into what's called active voice is you would say, the dog bit the boy. The dog is what's doing the action. 
So the dog should be first in that sentence. It should be that noun. It should be that subject of that sentence. You don't want to say the boy was bit by the dog because the boy is receiving the action. He's not doing the action. He's receiving it. So the boy should be the direct object in that sentence. So you want to make sure you switch them as much as you possibly can. Oftentimes you can identify passive voice by the word by. So if you see the boy was bit by the dog, you know that's passive voice because they have the boy as the subject of that sentence when it actually should be switched around. The dog is the subject because it's doing the action. So you always want to make sure that you have your people who are the subjects of your sentences being at the very beginning. They're at the forefront of that sentence and that the rest of the object is following that. So again, it's going to give you that clarity. It's going to give you that strength in your writing. It's not as clear as active writing, passive writing. So you want to make sure that you're doing as active as possible. And your readers are going to thank you for that attention to detail the more you're able to do that. And again, it's just through practice. Number five, I'm going to talk about independent clauses. You want to make sure that you have, if you have independent clauses, the not complete sentences, that you separate them using a comma. Sometimes people get confused Sometimes they string those two together, making the sentence longer. They don't separate it with a comma, but it's important to use that comma. That's a, that's a time when the comma is so important. So, for example, if the sentence was something like, the dog roared and charged and I screamed like a baby and I ran like a duck, the first part of that independent clause would be the dog roared and charged. Then you would add a comma. And you would say, and I screamed like a baby and ran like a duck. Something that you wouldn't want to do would be not to use that comma and kind of fuse those two independent clauses together to make one sentence. The dog roared and charged and I screamed like a baby and ran like a duck with no comma in between. So you want to make sure that you're separating those independent clauses by using that comma. Number six. Let's talk about those L-Y adverbs. It is incorrect to connect a pair of modifiers with a hyphen when the first modifier is an adverb ending in L-Y. So for example, the perfectly toned game warden refused to shoot the gorgola even when it bit my arm. That is the correct way to phrase that sentence. What wouldn't be correct would be the perfectly toned game warden and perfectly intoned having a hyphen in between refused to shoot the gorgola even when it bit my arm. Perfectly toned, two together, are separate. They don't use a hyphen. Commas and periods always go inside quotation marks. Colons and semicolons go outside. That's part of our punctuation errors that we see uh, most often, and I do see that quite a bit. I have been editing some other people's work recently and see that Oftentimes people do that, and for when I was beginning writing, I did the same exact thing. I didn't have my punctuation inside my quotation marks, but it's so important to make sure that they always are enclosed in between those quotation marks. So, for example, if you had a sentence like, the warden said the gorgola was endangered, I said I was obviously the only one in danger. So if I had in quotation marks the word endangered, I would want to make sure that semicolon is in between those quotation marks. You'd have the quotation mark, the word endangered, semicolon, and then the quotation mark. So that's part of your punctuation errors that you can make. That's probably one of the most common that I see 
and punctuation is that commas and periods always go inside quotation marks, not outside. Number eight, let's talk about the semicolon for a little bit. Use a semicolon to divide items in a list when one or more of those items contains a comma. So for example, and listen closely because there's a lot of punctuation here. I made an inventory, colon, one bite mark, semicolon, two yellow, comma, size small sneakers, semicolon, three crushed flowers. So let me read the sentence one more time. I made an inventory, one bite mark, two yellow, size small sneakers, three crushed flowers. So do you see all that punctuation there? can get a bit confusing as to what punctuation goes where. Semicolons separate um, sentences or um, those clauses. The colon you use when you're having a list, if you're citing some sort of list afterwards, you use a colon. And the comma is in between just to separate, let's say, a list or something of that nature. So in that same sentence, I made an inventory, one bite mark, two yellow size small sneakers, three crushed flowers. After the word inventory, you would use a a colon because you're going to be giving that list afterwards. One bite mark, that's a clause, a complete clause. So you use a semicolon after that. Two yellow size small sneakers. You want to divide the word yellow and size small because they're both describing the sneakers. So you use a comma in between. It's two yellow is not a complete independent clause. So you wouldn't use a semicolon, you would use a comma. And size small sneakers, you're dividing that with the comma. But then two yellow size small sneakers together makes that independent clause. So you use a semicolon. And then finally, you say three crushed flowers. End of sentence. You add the period at the end. So the, the colon indicates the listing after. Semicolon is when you have a complete independent clause. And then the comma divides a description. If you have a bunch of descriptions, descriptors together, you use the comma to divide them. Number nine, you use a speaker tag. Unless the, action, unless the action interrupts a dialogue sentence or unless you're following the dialogue with a speaker tag, which means he said or she said, don't end dialogue with a comma. So for example, in a sentence that says, you're useless, I stomped away from the warden. You're useless ends with a period. The you're, you're useless is a piece of dialogue. So use the quotation marks in between. And you're using the character as your he said, she said speaker tag. So you're useless, I stomped away from the warden. You'd use a period, you're useless, end of sentence, quotation marks. I stomped away from the warden, that's a separate sentence. You would not use, you're useless, I stomped away from the warden, with a comma after useless. You're useless is, is, is a, a sentence, complete sentence, so you use the period afterward. That way, at least, you can understand that if you're reading the work and you know that that character is male or female, you don't need to say he said or she said. And he said or she said after every piece of dialogue, it's very boring, monotonous. So you can say you're useless. I stomped, I stomped away from the warden. 
and the reader would know that the person's either male or female, given the description or whatever they would be using um, in the context before that to indicate that the I is that main character, whether it's a male or female. So you don't need the he said, she said after that. The last bit that I want to talk about are titles. And I've also seen this as well. It gets a little tricky, especially when you're using a title such as mom or dad. Now, normally you would call your mom, mom and dad, dad. So in a, in a sense, that's kind of their name. So if you were going to say, mom, I need to go to the store, mom would be capitalized because you'd be using it as a proper name. It's almost replacing that name of something. So mom, I need to go to the store. Mom is capitalized. So if you were going to say something like, I called my dad and asked to talk to my mom, the mom is not capitalized in that sentence. But if you're using it as a direct name, it would be capitalized. So let me give you another example. I called my dad and asked to talk to mom about the best way, best way to deter a gorgola from a campsite. I called my dad. Dad is not capitalized. Even though that's his name, you're talking about someone. So the D in dad is not capitalized. However, for mom, it's used as her name there. I asked to talk to mom. So when you address that person, you would say moms. That's their name. So it is capitalized. So I hope that's a little less confusing for you. I hope I was able to get some um, clarification on some different writing errors that can occur. And I just want to leave you with a quick action step. What are some of your most common writing mistakes and how are you fixing them? Are you allowing an editor to look at your work? Are you allowing someone else to take a look at that and help you train you to not make those mistakes anymore? What piece of reference material could you add to your library to make sure you don't use and make those same mistakes again. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Happy writing. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Christian Writers Workshop. Don't forget to connect with Michelle online at www.michellezurich.com. Join us again next week and find out how to turn your writing and publishing dreams into reality.